Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering six conversations. The first three are complete forms of the three edited interviews that comprised episode four. And the second three are previously unreleased sections from our coverage of Nashtag 2023 in episodes one, two, and three of season four. This conversation comes from our wrap-up episode chat with Jorn Schottenberg, Naeem Al-Khoury, and Amy Articola. It starts with me asking the participants to rate their enthusiasm coming out of Nashtag 2023 on a one to six scale, where one represents thoroughly depressed and six represents over the moon. If you recall, a similar question at the end of the Nashtag 2022 conversation elicited fours and fives. Well, this is different. This time, the answers range from my relatively conservative six to 6.5 or seven from the rest. Their primary reason had to do with the idea that we now have two phase three drug trials that appear to have hit FDA's efficacy and safety standards, with resmeterom hitting the EMA's more challenging regressed fibrosis while lowering NAS score standard. Bjorn Schottenberg describes the implications of these results plus the advances we've made in non-invasive testing with the statement, it's doable and druggable. I comment, and Amy Articolo agrees, that the efficacy levels the two drugs have hit appear to leave significant room for new drugs and combination therapy to improve efficacy, thereby stimulating investment and even more energy in the field. From there, we go on to discuss the implications of what we're learning about the impact bariatric surgery can have on NASH which is significant. Ultimately, this leaves Naeem Al-Khoury to make a comment Jorn Schottenberg describes as, and I quote, hitting it out of the park. We will learn over time that NASH is an easy disease to treat. With statements like that, scores of 6.5 or 7 are easy to understand. I have the good fortune to speak weekly with industry executives and academic researchers in unscripted, unrecorded settings. This conversation should bring you some of that feeling as these individuals went home to take lessons from NASHTAG for their own work and their own companies. Their perspectives are thoughtful and different. So just sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Last year in the Nashtag wrap-ups, I asked everybody a question, which was, I asked them on a one to, t- one to six scale, rate their mood coming out of the meeting from one to six, where one was thoroughly depressed and six was over the moon. And at, at that point, the question was about their fireside chat and are we making progress with regulatory? So I want to go back to that question one year later and see where do we rate ourselves now and why. And then I want to take a look at it again on the overall, on where you feel the vitality of this market is right now as compared to what was a year ago. Let's do regulatory first. Amy, I know what your score was last year. Amy Articolo. You know what? You Roger, I, yeah, and I I don't remember, so you'll have to tell me what, what I said. So yeah, but you've got to go first. Okay, then I will, will happily go first. So I'm gonna say my mood now is six. It was five last year, folks. Okay. She called it in fact a solid five All right. last year. All right. Yeah. I am a, a I would say six plus. I mean, that's how invigorated I am about opportunities for us moving forward, particularly with the positive readout of um, Madrigal and Intercept and, and their steps moving forward, but also results from the Mosaic meeting and some of the dialogue and, and opportunities to explore. And the third reason I'm so really excited is because of the opportunities to do this as in a collaborative fashion with the consortium. So stay on the, re- are you six on regulatory or six on overall or six on both? I'd say six on both. All right. So now, because the world is always changing, Naeem, you're clear and Yorn has suddenly become fuzzy. So why don't you go next? Naeem Alkuri. Well, I'm seven on everything. I'm beyond 
beyond excited also. I think number one is now we feel confident that these endpoints uh, by the FDA are something that we can achieve in the context of a phase three clinical trial. At some point, we're questioning, are we going to ever be able to actually achieve these endpoints and show the regulators that, you know, this is worth conditional approval? So I think we've shown this now with Madrigal. Intercept data is a little bit more reassuring in terms of the safety, although, I mean, I just see the same issues popping up still. We're still talking about the pruritus in about 50% uh, with the higher dose. We're still talking about delay and potentially direct uh, effect uh, in terms of hepatotoxicity of the medicine. We're still talking about cholecystitis. So a little bit better, but not much, to be honest. But I feel like, number one, we showed that these endpoints are not impossible. Number two is uh, we're going to have a lot of NIT data now from the phase three programs to show us what we can use instead of biopsy. And then to see the updates from Litmus and Nimble, Goldmine is enrolling also strongly to show us the value of MRE. Nail NIT is about to start soon. So this is all good. So I feel like all the pieces are falling in place and I'm very happy. Jörn Schattenberg. You know, and I normally like to take uh, controversial standpoints, but I can. I'm with Amy and Naeem. <laughs> I'll put it at 6.5, I guess. I, I full-heartedly agree. I knew something that maybe wasn't there this time was the regulators. But as Amy said, you know, there was an intense dialogue at Mosaics and there were positive vibes around that. So I don't think you can have the regulators at your table every four weeks. Um, so it's not really a, a downside for that one. Because my first career was in politics, I'm mindful of the idea that when somebody says 10,000%, something really bad is about to happen. So I, I'm going to stand on six because every time I get a number, in part it's my statistical training and in part it's every time I hear a number over six, I go back to old things like George McGovern asking how long he would stand behind his running mate after his um, history of depression was revealed. And he said, I'm 10,000% behind him. And he threw him off the ticket three days later. So numbers like seven scare me, but I'll stand with six. I'm just realizing it as we're having this conversation. But one of the things that gets me there is the change in the questions. When I first encountered Nash, which was in 2019, the questions were basically about what do we have to do to squeeze more regression out of biopsies? Well, now we're not talking about regression. We're not talking about biopsies. We're not talking about regression being the only thing we're looking for. And we understand a lot more about the liver so that we understand that two drugs can get to the same number and maybe hit the same zones and maybe work in completely different ways. And the promise that that gives to the vitality of the market. So I'm with you. I think six sounds about right. I mean, no doubt there's going to be some setbacks in terms of negative trial data potentially, but the six comes in because it's doable, it's druggable, and we have the tools that have been worked on for so long. So really uh, the field is set and well prepared for for things to come. I I agree with that. The other thing, and Amy, I love your feedback on this, particularly uh, commercially I find attractive, is that the results of those first two tests say that we can get a drug over the finish line and that there's an amazing amount of room left for innovation around modes of action, combination therapies, learning how to map the liver better, that people are going to be spoiled for choice about what to do first for years to come, I think. Roger, you're spot on. And certainly that's Nova Nordis aspiration as well. And looking at not what can, some it's just the beginning, right, of, you know, where we can uh, positively impact patients' lives and really thinking about from a patient-centric approach, what diversity of mechanistic approaches are going to help amplify the patient's response, the patient's benefit. And I agree with the comments that Naeem and Jorn had also said about it's not necessarily that patients should be started on something and that there should be some sort of like taboo that they failed or they just failed to respond, but more of, okay, that their course of disease at this time had them progressing. And so consideration for additional therapies or reflections on what type of therapies, also reflecting on combination potentials, um, different mechanistic approaches is certainly very much in line with keeping that patient-centric approach. And certainly I, I do believe from a commercial perspective makes sense because we know that there's no one size fits all, whether it's a therapeutic, it's a test, not a 
best, or it's the approach of when that patient is diagnosed because of the course of this type of disease. And so having those treatments available, the different tests that will be able to reflect, and certainly making it make sense for payers and those that are going to open the access doors is very much in line with our thinking as well. One of the other things we're talking more about is bariatric surgery. This is an interrupting presentation. Uh, the Splendor, Splendor paper keeps popping up again and again, which I think is a good thing. Amy, as a company that manufactures and promotes drugs for obesity, where do you see bariatric surgery playing directly into this? And where does it play into your thinking about development and where the market goes forward? Yeah, that's a great question. And certainly we welcome, in, in terms of the space of obesity, you know, all modalities that can benefit patients. Certainly with our asset, we're hoping and happy to see that patients are going to benefit. And certainly there could be a role for bariatric surgery in either as an and, not an or. And so we certainly have certain independent sponsor studies that KOL, such as yourselves, have come to us and said, hey, what do you think about these kind of ideas? And certainly it's something of interest in the sense of looking at how can the patients be best managed. We know that certain patients will get undergo surgery and then have regain, and there could be a benefit there for um, the therapeutic or medical intervention. It could be a combination of medical lifestyle as well as surgical. And so in terms of patient eligibility, it really depends on the individual patient. And our company certainly is very supportive of getting the patients the best treatments available. And we don't see it as an or, we see it as an and. I mean, I think bariatric surgery obviously is a great treatment option, but when it's all said and done, give it another 20 years, we're going to look at bariatric surgery the same way we think about drilling a hole in your head to treat headache. It's just too aggressive. And honestly, with drugs like semaglutide or zepatide, next generation, the initiation of treatment of obesity will happen way earlier in life. So the minute you start gaining weight because you went to college or, you know, whatever, you know, change in your life happened, you're going to get on these medications. We're not going to let people progress to BMI of 50 and 55. So we're going to treat earlier and surgery is just too aggressive. I love, you know, my bariatric surgery friends and I work with them and it's an effective treatment, but it's really life altering. It has complications and the acceptance is low by patients, not because they don't want to get better because it is complicated and it's not an easy solution and it's not what we want to do. And the minute you have an alternative that's less invasive, we will go with it, whether it's bariatric endoscopy or the medications. But I think at the end of the day, the concept is there that if you induce robust weight loss, you're going to improve your NASH. And it's all said and done also, we're all going to realize that NASH is actually an easy disease to treat. And I think we started this field on the wrong note, uh, relying on histology, focusing on F3, F4 for a disease that should be treated like dyslipidemia, target early. We're going to get to a point of preventive hepatology. And at the end of the day, physicians are at two different ends of the spectrum. There are people that are so concerned about cost effectiveness and how to maintain status quo. And there are people that want to extend the lifespan of the human race and make sure people never die from liver disease. I tend to be on the second camp. I'm a very optimistic person and we need to treat early and just make sure that no one is at cirrhosis early on. Obviously, it comes with a lot of costs and this you know, brings so many issues and we don't have unlimited amount of dollars, but this is aspirational. As we progress, we will get there. It may not be in my lifetime, but this is the goal at the end of the day. Oh, I'm sure we'll get there. And Roger, you got to make a note. I think Naeem deserves a couple of grannies for his statements today. He just hit another home run. I would add that the costs and the availability of bariatric uh, surgery are something that's limiting it. But I like his quote that NASH is actually an easily treatable disease. And I agree that we're just looking at a, an entity or an outcome that's just difficult to assess for that disease at this time. You know, you aren't, as I was listening to that, I was A, thinking you're right, he's hitting it out of the park. B, I love that statement. And C, I was asking myself how Louise would feel about the phrase preventive hepatology as compared to it should never get near a hepatologist in the first place. Other than that, Naeem, I think we're all standing um, 
beside you or behind you and saluting on that one. I think that that sounds dead right. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation. Or if that doesn't work, send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with our first non-Nash tech content of 2023. So until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.